the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello again, y'all, and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we are systematically unfolding what the Scripture teaches regarding what a lot of us might believe to be hard to understand and sometimes slightly scary theological topics. But we believe what Dr. R.C. Sproul said about theology, that theology is not a luxury. It is the very foundation of the Christian life, and without this foundation, our efforts to impact the world for Christianity will miss their mark. That is a powerful, powerful statement. And we are always attempting to talk about theology in a way that applies to our lives. Today's podcast is our sixth episode in a series on the end times. So far, we've touched on an overview of topics on the end times, like the rapture, the tribulation, signs of the end times. And today we're going to jump into (laughs) the millennium. (laughs) Yes, we are. And I think, and oh, by the way, hello again, everybody. Pastor Jeff here. Thanks for joining us on Kitchen Table Theology. I think what we'll do, Jen, for the next few podcasts, and I say next few podcasts because I have no idea how long this is going to take us, what we'll do, I thought, is to follow the outlines of two theologians in their books, Dr. Charles Ryrie in his book, Basic Theology, and Dr. Roland McCune in his book, A Systematic Theology of Biblical Christianity. Both of which we've referenced before, I know. Oh yeah, many times. For sure. And they both compartmentalize aspects of the millennium into ways I think can help us here. So I'm going to be kind of following a little bit of how they tracked it in, in their books as a to just give us an, an outline that we can follow, because there is so much when we come into the millennium. So over the next few podcasts, we'll talk about the millennium's length, its government, its characteristics, the role of Christ in it, our role in it, if we're, you know, what what believers' role will be, and there there will be a lot for us to sink our theological teeth into on this topic. Now, knowing us and knowing the topics that the millennium will generate, we'll probably run down a few rabbit trails as we go on... off on related topics, and we're in no rush, so we'll take our time, and we'll do our best, as Jen said, always says, to put the cookies on the bottom shelf and improve our theological understanding along the way, especially in this doctrine of eschatology. And we may need to do another Q&A in here sometime, too, because I bet people are kind of logging some questions along the way as well. Well, why don't you ask for some submittals? If you have any questions about this series in eschatology... You can submit them. <laughs> you can submit them to jeffcranston.com. No, well, is no, there a, is don't there do a, that. Okay. See, you spoke, and now you can't finish off what Pastor Jeff at lowcountrycc.org. You don't have a message part on your website? I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. Go to jeffcranston.com and see if there <laughs> and is. see if it's there. <laughs> let us let know. Me know. <laughs> or you could DM me on, on Instagram. Instagram. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, we lo- we love always getting your. We, and quite frankly, we haven't gotten any questions in a long time. We haven't. That's why we haven't done them. I don't I do them if we don't have questions. If you're bank, if you've got a few questions, you've been banking. Yeah, or one that comes up after. I'm sure if we don't generate a question out of this today, I don't know when we ever will. Just go ahead and submit them, and we will do our best to get to them and answer them. Well, speaking of today, let's get started. 
How about starting us off by defining what the millennium is exactly, and then give us a little bit of an overview? Well, that does seem like a rather good place to start. So as a general definition, the millennium or, or the millennial kingdom is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ on earth 1,000 years following the tribulation. So the kingdom, the rule and reign of Christ on earth for 1,000 years, and it's going to follow the tribulation. It's referred to by different names in Scripture. It's called the millennium, the millennial kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the Davidic kingdom, the mediatorial kingdom. Mediatorial, I guess the root word for that is the mediator, the Christ the mediator, so it's his kingdom. The messianic kingdom, the theocratic kingdom, I don't, I guess, well, Theo, who, who's Theo? Theocracy. 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 Yeah, yeah. From theocracy. Uh, where God is the ruler. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's the theocratic kingdom. Or it's referred to simply as the thousand years. You know, them thousand years. Them thousand years. <laughs> Not them thousand years, the thousand years. That's how we'd say it in the South. <laughs> yeah. Jesus them thousand come back years. with them thousand years. <laughs> so as we know it so based on that, then we know it will last a thousand years. All right, so you got that. Yeah, I yeah, did. Good. I mean that maybe that's that's why people use that as the phrase. I don't know. Maybe yeah. But when will it begin? When is that start date? Do we need to set it on the Google calendar? Do we need to put an alert on our phone? Yeah, don't we wish we knew that one? Boy. The millennium will come begin when Christ and the church descend from heaven at the end of the tribulation. So when the tribulation is over, that's when the millennium begins, Christ and church come. The Olivet Discourse, which is this long discourse of Jesus from the Mount of Olives, as given to us by Matthew in his gospel, sets the arrival time. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the Lord returns and sets up his kingdom. And Luke gives a similar account. Luke says, when you see these things happening, recognize the kingdom of God is near. So again, kingdom of God, another word for millennium. These things, when they're talking about these things, those are the tribulation events and some of the signs that we talked about in the last podcast. John describes, I guess you would call it the inauguration of the millennial kingdom of Christ, uh, or, or I'm sorry, of the millennial kingdom of Christ as Christ and his armies arrive on white horses, and they descend from heaven to earth. And when they do that, when they come, they end the battle of Armageddon, which will set up a the 1,000-year rule. That's We read about all that in Revelation 19. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a moment ago that we might run down a rabbit trail or two. So soon? I don't know why you would think <laughs> that about us. <laughs> I don't s- think that about us. I think that about you. <laughs> about me. I felt like that was pointed, but I wasn't I wasn't going to be accusatory. Well, as we set out on this topic, can we can we do that now? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we didn't talk about the Battle of Armageddon and you no, just mentioned we didn't. that. So we haven't talked about that yet and when we studied the tribulation, was that a part of that that yeah. we could have covered then, but yep. we were covering so much then? So, can we talk about it now? <laughs> yeah, that that's a good diversion to talk about, and it'll be a lot more fun to talk about it than to actually be at it. Probably. Yeah, but yeah, that's um, hmm, I did kind of miss that in the tribulation part, but so Armageddon, right? The Battle of Armageddon. I've seen the movie Armageddon. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's part of our lexicon mm-hmm. in our culture and our language that 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 phrase conjures up images in pop culture that are always associated with something horrible and generally always with the end of the world. And you've got movie titles to references in books and 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 media arm, you know, the Armageddon movie. You can surmise from all of that just just that stuff that there this is some great battle that people call it the last battle, and that takes place in the last days before the new heaven and the new earth of Revelation twenty one, and I, I find it interesting that for a word all of us recognize the actual word Armageddon only appears once in the Bible, Revelation sixteen sixteen. Mm-hmm. Even though most of the New Testament is written in Greek, this word comes from the Hebrew word, and it means Mount Megiddo. But it's only in the Bible one time. One time, but with great significance. Yeah. So that's super interesting. I would have guessed that that word was throughout Revelation, or as we've yeah. learned, that the, the connection between Revelation and Daniel. But mm-hmm. if it's not, if it's just once, yeah. what is the battle? Well, it's 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 major, and Revelation sixteen sixteen describes what happens after God pours out the sixth bowl of wrath, and that that's one of the many plagues that permeate that whole Revelation narrative, and that's probably another rabbit trail for us, or maybe just a whole podcast because there there's seals broken, there's there's uh, bowls where wrath and stuff is poured out, and it might be helpful for us to take a look at those. So the the Antichrist, who we've talked about in a couple of our podcasts not long ago, gathers kings, world leaders, in a place called Armageddon. And the Bible calls them kings. They're loyal to the Antichrist. They gather their armies, and they're going to wage war against God's people. And we, we see hints of this war in Revelation 16, 14, and in Revelation 20, verses 7 through 9, where Satan gathers enemies from the four corners of the earth, in essence, everywhere, and they'll surround the camp of the Christians, God's people, but fire from heaven will consume these enemies of God's people. That's part of it. Okay, so I've already learned something. It, Armageddon is a place. Like yeah, the battle of Armageddon. I think we always think about Armageddon as an event or a process. Mm-hmm. It's you know? a place. So it's a place, just like the Battle of Gettysburg, right? Or, you know, and we refer to that. Okay, well, all of that sounds kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got any? You got any good news? <laughs> uh, well, I don't. I don't know if there's any. Well, I, the good news is Jesus wins. Well, that's that's the ultimate. Good news, but we um, got miles to go before before we get to there. But and yeah, it's un- and a, understanding this. Yes, so it is but a place, and it's it's also a battle. Okay, and we we find some contextual clues about the battle from the Old Testament, and although we don't have an exact location for Armageddon, we can survive from its name. Again, it's a Hebrew word; it means mount or hill. Mm. That the battle will take place on a hilly spot of some sort. So most Bible scholars place the battle location about 60 miles north of Jerusalem right now. You can go there right now, where many, many biblical battles have been fought. Barak fought there. 
Saul and his sons fought there against the Philistines. That's where Saul died, mm-hmm. King Saul. The Egyptian pharaoh Necho killed Josiah, one of Judah's really good kings. Josiah was a great king. That Egyptian pharaoh, Josiah, died in a battle there. The place has been a battleground for millennia, millennia, I should say. The, the most likely location, again, 60 miles north of Jerusalem, it's in the hill country surrounding the plain of Megiddo. Again, not too far, you know, you can get in the car from Jerusalem and be there in about an hour and 15 minutes. Throughout history, armies have fought countless battles in that place, that, that region. The Egyptians have fought there, the Assyrians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Crusaders fought in Megiddo, as well the, the armies of Napoleon, which wasn't that long ago in world history. Mm-hmm. They fought there. Megiddo was a site of battles during World War I. In eight, 1948, the Arab-Israeli War, they fought there as well. So Israel has a really strong and varied history in that location. We also know that God ultimately wins this battle, even if the enemy pulls armies from all the ends of the earth, and they come and they cross the Euphrates River, and they come set to destroy God's people, but God shows up and fights on behalf of his people. And that is good to know. Yeah. That is the good news. That, yep. is, that is very reassuring. That's so what thank, happens. Thank you for that. <laughs> I think we can take a little breath now. So, but let's keep going and get ourselves back on track with the millennium. You said last that the inauguration of the millennial kingdom occurs when Christ and his armies descend from heaven to earth on white horses to end the battle of Armageddon to set up this 1,000-year rule. Yeah. Brief. That's brief right. Brief recap. Okay. So what's next? Well, let's, let's dive into the aspects of the millennium. Dr. Ryrie and Dr. McCune give us six aspects of it, and we'll take a look a few of, at a few of those on today's podcast. The first aspect, and these are in no particular order, the first aspect of the millennial kingdom we should be aware of is the spiritual aspect. Obviously, that's, that's huge. That, that's the foundational aspect of all of it. So without the millennium, there's no kingdom of God, as, as the Bible describes it. Isaiah describes the millennial time as a time of inexhaustible springs of salvation, Ezekiel promises that in this time, again, we're talking about the thousand-year rule and reign, God will sprinkle clean water on all the inhabitants and give each of them a new heart. So, Jen, Ezekiel 36, there's a few verses in there. How about reading those for us? They're pretty important to all of this. Sure, and this is Ezekiel 36, 24 through 28. For I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. And you will live in Israel, the land I gave your ancestors long ago. You will be my people, and I will be your God. And so there we are, all the way back with the prophet Ezekiel and bringing this prophetic word regarding the millennium. So in those verses, we see symbols of regeneration, moral cleansing, spiritual cleansing. Zechariah, in his book, calls Jesus the king during this period, and he is endowed with salvation. 
The kingdom will be a place of blessing. It will be a place of salvation. It will be a place without conflict. It will be a place where folks will be at total peace and total harmony. That's what the Bible says about it. Okay. So there's that spiritual aspect to the kingdom, but you said there's six that we'll look at. What's Mm -hmm. the next one? Okay, there's an ethical aspect at play here as well. So there's there's going to be a readjustment of moral values. And, and imagine this. Imagine this. A worldwide ex- accepted objective standard of right and an accurate portrayal of true God-centered morality. Truth will undergird the kingdom. There's not going to be a right or a left or a center. Worldwide accepted objective standard of right in the millennial kingdom. Isaiah said of the kingdom that it will faithfully bring forth justice, and people will be addressed and treated according to their moral character. Isaiah wrote, No longer will the fool be called noble, or the rogue be spoken of as generous. That's kind of the opposite of the way it is here right now. I was going to say, that sounds a whole lot better. (laughs) I I like this. The the New Living Translation puts Isaiah 32.5 like this. In that day, ungodly fools will not be heroes, and scoundrels will not be respected. Oh I, I like it that way. <laughs> that does sound pretty good. Well, hey, let's move on to one more aspect of the millennial kingdom. What would that be? Okay, so we've, we've looked at the ethical and the spiritual. So mm-hmm. there's a social aspect mm-hmm. to all of this, too. You introverts, you'll be so happy to know that. So now... For those of us who are introverts, that might not sound too as too appealing. You know, a social aspect. I'm gonna have to speak to people in the in the millennium. I really like the whole you know hideaway in my house thing that we've been going through. This is where I just wear my T-shirt that says "Nope." Nope. Period. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Yeah, they probably won't be selling those in the millennial kingdom. So, you know, as far as the the social aspect, there's still going to be. I, I I think from what I'm what I'm catching, there's still going to be introverted and extroverted personalities once we've been redeemed and, and, and set up in the millennial age. But I, I have no proof for that, you know, for whatever we're goofing around with on there. But what we do know is that complete social equity will be restored. So all of our weird personalities aside, social equity will be restored. War will be abolished. There's going to be no war. Economic justice will be the order of the day. Places that are lands of waste right now will be renewed, and there will be multitudes of other benefits known to the citizens in that millennial society. Well, all that sounds good. Keep going. Well, we <laughs> What else do we get? <laughs> we, we just sort of skipped over that there'll be no more wars, but let's think about that for a second, the mm-hmm. abolition of war itself. Won't that be one of the greatest social advantages imaginable. Because it seems so pie in the sky, right? You know, there's that old joke about the beauty queen that steps up, I want peace on world earth. Peace. I want world peace. Yeah. Well, yeah. she'll get it in the millennial kingdom, you know, but uh, call, you, you, you just think of what it means. Just did we mention in this podcast or the last podcast, the 20th century being the Bloodiest, the most murderous. Last podcast. Okay, last podcast. I think it was 187 million people that died as a result of wars. Yeah, and it was that adjective, murderous. Murderous. That just, yeah, uh, gives some gravity to it. G- gone. Gone. So 
imagine all the instruments of war, you, you, they're, they're done away with. And those gargantuan sums of money that we spend right now, every nation in the world does to protect themselves and to attack their enemies, that money can go to being put forward or whatever the economy is in the millennium to sustaining the these all these world standing armies all that money that goes into it now all that's going to be redirected in in the efforts of peace and productivity isaiah tells us that that will happen so how about reading isaiah 4:2 for us the lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes they will hammer their sword into the plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. I just think that's incredible because that's all nations do. I mean, the the key thing that nations do is fight against another other nations and they train for war all the time. We we also know that the citizens of the millennial kingdom will rebuild ancient ruins. They will raise up areas, places, cities that were formerly devastated. They will repair cities. Um, that are still habitable, but there, there, there are ruins there. Every inhabitant in that millennial kingdom will enjoy the full, per, uh, the full uh, potential of their intelligence, their industry, their initiative, and economic security. There's going to be a peaceful climate in that atmosphere. Near the end of his book, Isaiah tells us that the inhabitants will build houses and inhabit them, they will also plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and another inhabit. They will not plant and another eat. And the little Old Testament book of Micah, when's the last time you thought about old Micah or read out of Micah? Yeah. Well, we hardly ever think about Micah. We don't. Right? It's just this little New Testament book tucked in there somewhere. And Micah shared this vision of this golden age and, and the worth, the value of every citizen in the kingdom. And here's what he prophesied. Each of them, that's the nations and the, and the peoples, each of them will sit under his vine and under his fig tree with no one to make them afraid. So he's talking about peace. He's talking about economic justice. And just in that aspect, it's going to be a wonderful place to inhabit. It's so contrary to the culture that we're living in now to hear these things, yeah. and it's so contrary to what we've been talking about over the last series of podcasts, too, right. as, you know, all war alone, you know, increasing and natural disasters and all these things. And mm-hmm. so you think of things breaking down and then this time period. All that's gone. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks so much for joining us today here on Kitchen Table Theology. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcast or whatever platform you're listening from. While you're there, please consider leaving a review that helps other people find out about Kitchen Table Theology. And while there, please also check out those show notes. We want to again recognize and thank the team at Streamlined Podcast for editing and their sound design of today's episode like they do with all of our podcasts, especially Miss Danny. She is the dear lady who leads the team and produces Kitchen Table, the team that produces Kitchen Table Theology. You can find out more about their work at streamlinedpodcast.com. Check them out. And do head over to jeffcranston.com. Let us know if there's a messaging component 
there. Yeah, we need to, to send messages. We, we desperately need <laughs> to find out. Also, check out Pastor Jeff's <laughs> books, his sermon, and his blog while you're there. Connect with us on Instagram and um, shoot us an email at Pastor Jeff at lowcountrycc.org. Boy, if it's not written down, you just did not remember that. You've have, said it a hundred times. I have said it a hundred times, but that's why. Like it, it's, But you've, yeah, you've never written to it. Yes, so it would, I have, well, yeah. <laughs> no, unfortunately, you have my cell number. <laughs> so I just, you, I got the direct line. <laughs> well, hey, y'all, join us next time when we will continue learning about the millennial kingdom. Until then, always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.